here. We are very, very happy, more than happy, that the, high, the, the court has stood with the lives and women of this country. Yes. And for those backward churches that believe that the lives of women are not, are not paramount, they should continue collecting sadaka and tithes in peace, and they leave our women in peace. This is a story of a woman's day-to-day worry. Hello, spreaders, and welcome to The Spread. I'm your host, Kaz. On today's episode, we focus on the abortion rights in Kenya. I'm going to try explain to you some of the key points that may be relevant to you and some people you know and some fascinating facts I bet you never knew. I will also take this opportunity to answer a few of the questions that were asked on Instagram and with the help of the court and a pair of some of the brightest lawyers I know, I intend to create something informative that you can refer to when the need arises. So with that, I urge that if you haven't already, please subscribe to The Spread Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Let's begin. I sat in the courtroom with headphones over my ears, waiting on a judgment to be made on the lifting of the ban on the standards and guidelines for reducing morbidity and mortality from unsafe abortions in Kenya. To think only two weeks prior to this, I was in the same courtroom for the judgment of the repeal 162 case allowing same-sex relationships, and that didn't go favorably, so I had very little faith in the judicial system. Was this gonna be another negative outcome, and was I ready? After a one-hour wait, the judges saunter into the courtroom. This is the judgment. JMM died in June 2018. Born on 5th February 2000, she was just 18 years of age. In January 2014, she had been admitted to Form 1 at Nyamecheo Second School, a day school situated in Keumbu ward in Nyaribari Chache constituency and she was staying with her elder sister who was married. At some point in 2014, she was forced into sexual intercourse by an older man. She only realized that she was pregnant when she missed her cycle for two months and started feeling uh, nauseous. She did not disclose this to anyone for fear of being blamed and rejected by the family members. On 8th December 2014, an older girl with whom she shared a bedroom... They open with the story of a young girl who was raped by an older man that caused her to become pregnant. This young girl confided in her friend, who then took her to see a quote-unquote doctor for an abortion, which turned out to be unsafe, and what followed was a long spiral down of health issues, including chronic kidney disease, all because of this, and ultimately leading to her demise. This is one such story of the numerous stories of Kenyan women and girls undergoing unsafe abortions. The methods with which many young girls are using to terminate pregnancies are leaving their health in danger. Even worse, leaving them dead. The statistics, however, 
show us an even more shocking truth. No, we, we were saying that actually statistically, most of the abortions, um, most in of Kenya. the abortions in Kenya are actually by mm-hmm. married mm-hmm. women. So a lot of the times there's a lot of misconceptions about the kind of person, you know, it's like slut shaming and things. Young college girls. And then you're so irresponsible. How dare you, mm-hmm. you know, how dare you allow yourself to get pregnant? You know, there's a lot of judgment and a lot of stigma around this issue. And that's why a lot of women are afraid to come forward and, and, and talk about the issue. Um, and certainly married women. And that actually, to me, is, is, is quite signifying of probably a bigger issue in terms of women being able to negotiate safe sex in relationships yep. and you know negotiate around contraception and things like that so it's something that we take for granted but even within um spaces intimate spaces um as a woman you can be denied your right to choose even contraception so you can imagine now that sort of transgressing and then you're not allowed to choose your method of contraception um, probably your partner doesn't want to use condoms and you would rather use condoms rather than get... <clears throat> Absolutely. So from the point in time where you're even trying to negotiate for safe sex, right? You're not even trying to have a baby. Um, you end up ha- falling pregnant because you didn't lack... Ag- you, you lacked agency. Yeah, You lacked the ability to make your own reproductive choices. And that's essentially what reproductive health is about. It's, it's, it's giving women and girls autonomy over decisions concerning their reproductive functions. It's just like, it's like but it's my reproductive function. Ultimate I'm not trying to get you to get a vasectomy, okay? Right? Because imagine <clears throat> if we had that Exactly. It would be like World War 15 by now, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but yet it's so easy to police women's bodies and to make choices on behalf Precisely. of women. So it's so, it, it's, it's, I, I think it's, yeah, the statistics are, are, are glaring. Um, yeah. And they're telling of a narrative that community doesn't want to talk about. Of course. Yeah, we mm. want to slut shame the little girls who are in college and say, right. oh, they're the only ones who are having sex. Right. Oh, they're so horny. Yeah. Right. These are and whole sex is a beautiful, wonderful yeah. thing. And yeah. it's vilified and it's made to be ugly. Um, so we're afraid to talk about sex. We're afraid to talk about things associated with sex, even just contraception and being safe. The stories of abortions in Kenya aren't always tragic. Some women would rather not raise children. Their mental health may be in jeopardy, and that can affect anyone. Because when I had my miscarriage, I thought it's because I had an abortion when I was in uni. So I thought I'd fucked up everything, and that's why my baby didn't survive inside me. Like karmically, or like biologically? Both. Both. I thought God was punishing me for what I'd done. And that's because that's how we're raised. Am I right? No, it has nothing to do with that. It's not like I come from a very Christian background. So where did you get that from? I just felt like I was being punished. Because I, I killed one, so now this one has been killed by the world. Do you still think that? Yeah, sometimes I do. Mm. So I took one away from the world, so the world took one from me. It was payback. But that's not how the world works. Mm. I guess at the end of the day, it's what you believe. But isn't that how we're told about everything? You give that's, what that's you exactly get. That's exactly what I'm saying, the thing with belief. You give what you get. So if you're, if you're a good person, then good comes back. And if you're bad, then bad comes back. So why can't this be the same? Having an abortion was not a bad thing. And this is one of the reasons why this whole 
um, this whole movement is happening is because we're trying to remove the stigma from abortion. I'm not mad at myself for, for having the abortion. I couldn't have that baby at that time. But then when I could have a baby, the baby died. So is it, you know, a is it karma? It's a story that you've created. In my it, head. Because it, it, it makes, because it, you need to have a reason for this thing happening. So you created a story. Because even that's the first thing I told my doctor. When the baby died, I'm like, is it because I had an abortion? And he checked my scans. He's like, there's no scarring. There's no damage to your body that would be directly correlated to the termination and you still don't believe the doctor no like i've told two doctors to check and they're like there's nothing but in my head i always believe like that's the reason A lot of times we're made to believe that terminating a pregnancy is actually killing a child. And the guilt and shame that is associated with it can sometimes be overbearing. This is probably the most commonly used argument, whether it's in politics, religion, or mortality debates. Most people have heard this at one point or another, but let's focus on scientific facts. In the first trimester, there is an embryo which develops into a fetus after the end of the second month of gestation. In these early stages of pregnancy, the fetus is not an autonomous being. That's a lot of medical talk, but the basic gist is this. During the first and second trimesters, when most abortions are performed, the fetus is not viable, meaning it cannot survive on its own without being attached to the mother. One of the things that I learned in therapy just this last session that I went for um, my therapist was saying a lot of the time with traumatic things that happen in our life we need to give it a, re- a reason just for us to almost like to heal to get closer to package it mm-hmm. it's possible it's possible just packaging the information because mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure if it wasn't for the abortion what would you what would you have then told yourself what would that I mean it's hard to, to undo that piece of of your history life. yeah yeah but i'm trying to imagine what your closure would then have been what would you have told yourself i don't know possibly nothing because women have miscarriages every day there you go there's your answer yeah because the other way i look at it that is actually how i i i, I found peace is that even when you're making something as simple as a cake no matter how you measure the ingredients right make sure the oven temperature is perfect sometimes the cake backfires so imagine creating a whole human your body is creating a whole human so even if all the ingredients are perfect your body is in perfect shape and everything sometimes the cake just doesn't turn out right That's how I look at it. Yeah. I like that story better. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's my story. So, what about adoption? 
what I keep reminding people about our circumstances here in Kenya is that the truth is that people do not know the systems. Nobody is quite aware of how to go about um, forfeiting the child, if I have to use those terms, after the child has been born. It is never clear. And I think those are options are also so stigmatized such that we have had instances of medical providers and nurses who will try to convince you to go home with a child. Um, our laws in terms of adoption laws are also truly not quite favorable to the circumstances we have. We have a lot of children out in the streets. We do. We have even more children in children's homes. But I cannot tell you of how many have been adopted and, and it's because the circumstances are such that the rigorous processes that you have to go through, the hoops that you have to jump before you officially get to adopt a child in Kenya is not worth that kind of trouble. Nobody's willing to go through that kind of trouble. The fact that even the law eliminates just how, which sex of a child you can adopt if you're a single parent. So for instance, if you're a single woman, you cannot adopt a baby boy. If you're a single um, man, you cannot adopt a baby girl. And, and it, perhaps the argument that was made is, is that it was for good measure to make sure that there's protection of this child, perhaps maybe from sexual violence. But it means that it also reduces the chances of these children from being adopted by anybody. Right. Um, so th the system that we have right now is it it's one that will either coerce the mother to carry the baby uh, out of the hospital with it, or women genuinely do not even have information on where you can drop the baby after you've had the baby. These are things that we see in Sweden or any you know fancy movies, but we don't have that system in Kenya. We don't have that that box that you can drop the baby in Kibera. She's she's not going to go out of her way to adopt. So you can imagine it has to be somebody who has um, access to a lawyer, information. They they are really emancipated and empowered. <laughs> Back in court, everyone sits eagerly, awaiting the judgment. Hopes are high, but energies are low. We've been sitting in the courtroom for over two hours now. My attention span is dwindling when I receive a text message from one of the lawyers. It reads, we're winning. Of the instruments, the withdrawal of the 2012 standards and guidelines and the training curriculum was therefore, in our view, unreasonable, drastic, and unjustifiable in a democratic society. So we come to the conclusions that we have reached after analyzing all of these matters set out above. We have dealt in the preceding sections with the issues which were raised before us in this petition. What remains for us to do is to summarize our findings on the issues which are identified herein above and the disposition of the petition. As regards the issue whether Article 26.4 permits abortion in certain circumstances, the differences in the opinions held by the petitioners and the respondents, in our view, is related to form rather than substance. While the respondents contend that abortion is illegal, the petitioners contend that abortion is permissible. As we have stated here in above, the general rule is that abortion is illegal. However, abortion is permissible if, in the opinion of a trained health professional, there is need for emergency treatment 
or the life or health of the mother is in danger or if permitted by any other written law. That is the letter of the Constitution, and that is our view. The second issue is whether pregnancy resulting from sexual violence falls under the permissible circumstances for abortion under Article 26.4. This issue is intertwined with the question whether rape and defilement are some of the legal grounds for termination of pregnancy in Kenya are permissible and are permissible under Article 26.4. This issue cannot, however, be dealt with without determining the issues relating to right to health and the right to reproductive health in Section 2 of the Health Act 2017 with reproductive health. Health in Section 2 of the Health Act 2017 entails a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. The definition is substantially reflected in the international instru instruments we have referred to. That being the position, any conclusion that in the opinion of a trained health professional necessitates emergency treatment or endangers the life or health of the mother warrants an abortion. It is not the cause of the danger that determines whether an abortion is necessary, but the effect of the danger. Therefore, if in the opinion of a trained health professional, emergency treatment is necessary, or the life or health of a mother is in danger, abortion is permissible. It therefore follows that if a pregnancy results from rape or defilement, and in the opinion of a trained health professional, endangers the physical, mental, and social well-being of a mother, abortion is permissible, that is, in the, the health of the woman or girl. In 2012, a set of guidelines were written in order to help medical facilities and health practitioners reduce morbidity and mortality from unsafe abortions in Kenya. Basically, a bunch of professionals came together after seeing how many people's health and lives were in danger from unsafe abortions and figured, we can make a change and put together a set of guidelines to help medical facilities and health practitioners. Then these bigwigs, holier than thou, read the list and were like, nah, this goes against everything we believe. Ban it. Seven years later, on Wednesday the 12th of June, 2019, the Kenyan courts were like, but these guidelines make sense and lifted the ban. Seven years later, seven years of women and girls experiencing unnecessary complications and dying from unsafe abortions. You wanna know what the statistics on this are? Over 400,000 women and girls every year. This is a story of a woman's day-to-day worry. The law currently states, Abortion is not permitted unless, in the opinion of a trained health profession, there is need for emergency treatment or the life or health of the mother is in danger, or if permitted by any other law. Let's talk a little bit about underage girls. The law doesn't recognize consent when it comes to sex for persons who are under the age of 18. So you can't even consent with anyone, I mean, to have sex with anyone above 18, and you can't consent to have sex with anyone, even within your age right. bracket. So if you are in a relationship and you are under 18, then technically, legally, you've defiled each other. Let's deal Defilement now with- Defilement is a ground? 
Yes, defilement is a ground that you can have a lawful abortion. You remember we were yesterday? We talking about rape and we talked about sexual violence and we talked about yes. incest and yes. we talked about remember defilement. Remember what the court said yesterday? If you are around. defiled, so basically, technically, technically, you, you, your life, you your health were, need not be in danger. You don't yeah. have to go through that loophole of a trained provider having to like ascertain that your yeah. physical and mental health is in danger. In Literally, role, you, you are a minor defiled. and you're pregnant you are lawfully entitled to an abortion, no questions asked. This is, this is where they're getting it from. This, these are the conversations that they're having about yeah. lowering Shit. the Because they, it, has, it has a lot of implications. I just had like a mind blown. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. You're welcome. See, You're welcome. Thank you, Tabitha and Sophie, for thank this you. very informative right. episode. Right. Children in different developmental stages have yeah. different capacities of appreciating harm, risk, responsibility. So a, med a trained medical provider will actually deal with each case on yeah. its own merits. So there's no standard law that says that all 16-year-olds in Kenya cannot access abortion or cannot consent. Yeah, and, right. and, and, the, and the issue is in reverse because, I mean, we've had this conversation before. Um, you, you hear of instances where parents find out that their children are, are pregnant and then they force their children to terminate their pregnancies. Yes. And that's something that we're fundamentally against as well yes. because we ultimately believe that still it's her body, right? And, it, and if she wants to keep the pregnancy, she should be allowed to keep the pregnancy. That obviously has so many social, social implications and this, that, and the other. But ultimately, it's still we're being consistent with regard is, to yeah. bodily autonomy. So it is unethical for a trained health provider, even if they're trained, to accept the consent of a parent who's forcing their child to terminate their pregnancy when the child has told the provider that I don't want to terminate the pregnancy. It would yeah. be unethical and it would be illegal for them to do that. Breathing gently Saving grace You pull me softly From this place Breathing gently Your youthful eyes Sing so sweetly Inside my like to take this opportunity to thank the people that were involved in the making of this podcast. I'd like to thank Tabitha Griffith and Sophia Rajablatapan for the legal tidbits and carfm.org for a snippet of my script and all the legal consultants who helped with the lifting of the ban on the standards and guidelines. Might you require any further information? I have attached information in the description box below. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms. That's at the spread pod across the board. I'm going to leave you with a soundbite from the last moments in the courtroom, which were a combination of comical and celebratory. Yeah. Uh, I'm Nazi Numa, the, the seventh interested party. And uh, first I want to thank you for the copious work you've gone through. It's not been an easy process. It's been extensive, a lot of documents However, I would like to beg the court to grant me leave to appeal uh, sections of your judgment that are in conflict of the Constitution and the interests and the public interest and the rights of the unborn child. I would also request a copy, certified copies of the proceedings to allow the appeal. And I will join counsel in 
begging the court to seriously consider stay of execution because some of the orders you are given will be will manifest themselves uh, in detrimental fashion to the interests of our peoples. Thank you. On the other hand, I, 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 I think having suffered in the corridors of justice and appeals matters, you know, for Wanjikos, I would actually also consider coming back to you for a review because it's not against the whole judgment, but some portions of it. So I also look at that option for myself to come back to you for review. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Judges. For the petitioners and parties that supported the petition, we wish to record our immense gratitude to the bench for the work that went into rendering this decision. Secondly, honorable judges, we oppose any application for stay of execution of this judgment. First of all, for the simple reason of the issues enunciated in the judgment affect not just the petitioners, but the wider population of women and girls who find themselves in the circumstances of the petitioners. And your Lordship, the women and girls of this country cannot wait one more day. Secondly, honorable judges, no evidence of prejudice, of injury, of any harm to the respondents all the opposing interested parties have been placed. They have merely sought for a stay because it feels sweet to stay <laughs> the will of women and girls of this country. We strongly oppose those applications. However, they have liberty to file an appeal and we will deal with the appeal in its contents and its merits. That is all the logic. I would like to add my objection to that. First, there's a contradiction from council that we need to be heard. We have not placed our reasons why we want the state. So clearly, I think the, 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 the ruling, the judgment is going to make a, a, a monumental impact. It's a landmark ruling. And it's not something that we can just cast aside and they're being, I think they're using emotional melodrama for the petition himself when it dramatizes the situation. It's not drama. I'm a, I'm a woman's rights defender. I'm, I'm my, my concern is not even, as I've said, we've actually appreciated your ruling. There are parts of it which we feel the court may have not looked at properly. So it is our right to be heard. And in fact, the court can move on its own motion. You have the powers to move on your own motion to stay those uh, execution laws. You don't even have to. This is a monumental matter. The impact once given, they'll start training any quack down there to continue doing abortions at all, especially when the court has said even an emotional issue, or you know, psychological situation or a social reason is enough for abortion. These are critical matters and we deserve that that matter be suspended until review or appeal is done. Under public interest, my lords and my ladies, thank you. It's not a matter for emotions and drama. <laughs> we are saying that those elements of your orders that contain positive orders are the only ones that we can stay. Declarations, of course, will not be able to be stayed. 
but positive orders will be stayed. And one of the positive orders is and the order that will bring effect the guidelines that the old the guidelines and the standards that you have uh, the decisions that you have put. We are saying and also that if that comes into effect, what will happen is that we shall then see all manner of people who we were arguing are not qualified to provide abortion services in this country actually doing so. And that in effect will erode Article 26, giving the right to life to unborn babies. Yes. Many unborn babies are going to die yes. after this judgment if a stay is not granted. A woman will be able to walk into a clinic and say, my social well-being has been affected because this baby will make me poorer. And somebody will then certify that the fact of poverty that this judge, that this baby will bring to this woman affects her mental health and the child will be killed. That is what we are asking in this state. We are saying that the child is a party in these proceedings as <coughs> much as the women's rights are to these proceedings. Children's rights are also to be considered. They are the most vulnerable members of our society. And that, we are not, I'm not arguing the appeal. My learned friends are sort of urging me to start arguing the appeal, and I know that this is not the right forum to argue the way I'm arguing. But that, I think, is an issue we shall address when we file the formal application. We consider the request for stay that has been uh, orally made. Uh, we decline to grant it at this stage, but we'll allow a formal request to be made if it's so desired, wherein material basis can be made and uh, uh, to which the necessary response can also be made. Uh, for the time being, and on behalf of, uh, of uh, my colleagues, I wish to thank um, all the Council, all the parties um, who have participated in this um, case for their time, for their industry, and uh, for their patience. So that's all. We wish you a good evening.
My name is Jade Miner. I work for Tika, and I am so happy about the judgment today. The court did uphold the rights for women, and also did prove that women's lives are indeed worth saving. My name is Edita. I'm a feminist activist, and I'm really happy. This is a history in Africa, not only in Kenya, because permitting abortion under some circumstances that is, is legal. We are really happy about it. My name is Victoria Tieno, I'm the fourth petitioner. And I'm really, 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 really impressed with what the court has done today. Because uh, at least we have seen that the women from the grassroots have now got their justice. And uh, we feel that we have now been considered as people of this country. So wale wanawake wa mashinani wale wenye wamekongwa wamefinyika sasa hizi at least sauti yao imefanya nini imesikika ali marriages and also rape cases are so many so you can't afford to say that if someone is raped there is no way that she can be helped My name is Ruth Mombi. I was the third petitioner in this case. I'm extremely, extremely happy, and I must commend the court for the good work that they have, uh, they have uh, they've done. The ruling was uh, impressive, and uh, I'm coming from a, uh, from a, a community. I'm a human rights defender working in the low-income areas, whereby I've been seeing cases of uh, unsafe abortion that have claimed many lives. Even uh, some uh, close friends of mine have lost their uh, lives through unsafe abortion. So for me this ruling it's a landmark ruling to us i'm so happy and i must commend the judges women right defenders supporting the lives of women and girls and as far as the reproductive health is concerned we are grateful because of the judgment it's yet again we realize uh, the milestone and the gains that the women have made we so appreciate the judgment and we believe by it and we ask the government and the ministry of health to reinstate back the guidelines because the women and girls of this country cannot wait any longer for their lives to be saved no other woman should die because she lacked safe abortion services yes Yes. <laughs> Please.